hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road And although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your Good morning, Hamilton, and welcome to the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. My name's Rick Samprin. In studio, not with Rob Golfie and not with Phil Golfie. No, for the first time ever, uh, three-plus years on this show, neither of the Golfies are on the Hamilton Real Estate Show. However, uh, sales representatives with REMAX Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team, are here. Lou Tallarico, back by popular demand. Uh, twice in a row, I think uh, three times over the last uh, month. Uh, a hot commodity, no doubt about it. And uh, Jesse Mello is returning to the airwaves as well. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. How are you, Rick? Good. Thanks for having Hello. us, Rick. Yeah, I'm very happy to be here. You're... Rob's basking in the sun in uh, Florida still, so we'll oh. take over for him. Don't worry about it. Okay. Well, where's Phil? He's, he's tagging along with Rob? Tag, Phil, he's tagging along with Rob. Too, yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, I guess they're allowed. They're back today, so we'll be okay. <laughs> but uh, it's been a busy fall, from what I understand, for the golfy team. Yeah. So far, yeah. so good? Yeah, we've uh, we're really starting to pick up uh, volumes is, is good. It was a li- early start of, of fall, was a little light, but now it's starting to really pick up momentum. Yeah. Really, eh? So like towards the end of August, it was kind of slowing down a little bit, September rolled around, and now it's starting to snowball a little bit. That's correct. Is that usual? I know 2017 was kind of all over the place, but is that yeah, the usual kind of... It varies a little bit. Usually sometimes in the first week of September, you get some action, but it seemed like it was just it took a little longer to get the momentum mm-hmm. going for the fall market. As you know, there's two big markets in the calendar year, the spring market, yeah. that March, April, May, and, and then the second biggest market is the fall market, which we're still currently in, right. and that runs until basically the end of November. And that fall market, those people are basically moving uh, even around December, November, right? I mean, they're putting their house up for sale in September, and they're probably moving towards the end of the year. That's, That's correct. Right, yeah. yeah. All right. We got lots of topics to get to today, including Justin Bieber using Instagram to try to sell his house in Beverly Hills. We think it's legit. You just never know with you know these Hollywood types. Uh, we'll talk about some uh, surprisingly negotiable things when buying a house. Uh, the new home you're thinking of buying might not be as perfect as you think. We'll also talk about international students and the impact they have on real estate and the impact of legal marijuana. Now, it has uh, an impact on real estate. Uh, recreation marijuana uh, became legal one year ago on Thursday. Um, edibles are going to be on the market pretty soon as well, at least in December from what we hear. So we'll talk about the impact that recreational marijuana has had on real estate. We also have a listener email that we're going to begin with as well. But don't forget, you can go online to robgolfie.com, the all-new robgolfie.com, or call them anytime at 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. They're all over social media, talking about social media, Instagram and Twitter, at Rob Golfie is the handle. Check out the Rob Golfie Facebook page as well. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast. If you have a question for the Golfie team, that email is questions at robgolfie.com. So Adriana uh, punched in questions at robgolfie.com and has this email for us. 
Hi, I was wondering if you could please address the following question on your Saturday morning radio show. We have an older bungalow on a double lot in Stony Creek. Our location is very convenient, close to schools, the QEW, and public transit. Four semi-detached homes were built on a lot of the same size directly across the street from us. Our question is, should we continue renovating our home or try to sell it as an investment property? If so, how do we market it that way? Thank you, Adriana. So maybe we'll tackle the first question. Should we continue to renovate our home and try to sell it as an investment property? That's an interesting um, question, and thanks, Adriana, for sending that in. Um, when, with regards to the uh, the option of renovating or just kind of selling it as an investment property, definitely you have to consider both. The one thing about what I've seen in the last year or two is when you're going to renovate to flip it and to kind of fix it up to flip, you've got to be careful that, number one, you are either – know a good contractor, you have a trusting contractor, you know the pricing pretty good on your renovation and what you're going to spend on that. Um, So you have to have that kind of locked in and really really understand that renovation budget. Uh, Because what you end end up having is a situation where you need to now kind of profit, obviously, after putting in that money and that investment. And that sometimes is not as much as if you were just to kind of sell it as is Mm -hmm. and let the the market with the hot investors and the and the contractors that are out there kind of salivate over this opportunity when they see semi-detaches across the street and other opportunities for creating potentially a rental property for themselves by doing some sort of a renovation to it. That can get you actually more money sometimes than doing the project yourself. Right. Yeah, that's exactly it. So I, I recently went and showed a house in the um, West Hamilton neighborhood and there, it was a fixer-upper. It was mostly original. Like, everything was original in the house. And there ended up being 30 offers on that property, right? Because wow. there's the perfect mix right now in the market of first-time buyers who want to add value. There's investors who want to flip, people who want to come in and set it up as a rental. And so you've got a perfect storm of people who want to come in and, and, and take on the challenge of renovating and making this their home. So it's interesting. You know what? Sometimes if you flip it, it depends on the neighborhood. You'll get the money back. Like what Lou said, you have to really know what you're doing in terms of um, the renovations and, and the cost and the budgeting. Um, but there's definitely some neighborhoods where you're going to get the perfect storm of buyers mm-hmm. that will pay a premium for something that's unfinished that they can put their own touch on. Speaking of premiums, would a bungalow across the street from four semi-detached homes be a kind of premium I would say so. So bungalows right now, again, looking at the demographics of the people who are buying these, there's a, we have an aging population and a lot of people want a smaller home on one floor right. to, you know, it's easier for them to, to, to live the rest of the lo- their lives in. And also um, for young families, they're smaller and they're, they're the perfect size for, mm-hmm. for these growing families. And there's a ton of, you know, young people who want into the market. So the, the bungalow, raised bungalows, these raised ranches, they're, they're great investments. So if you were to stop renovating now, I would say in that neighborhood, with what's going on on the double lot, you'd likely attract somebody who's who's prepared to pay a premium for the area. Right, and yeah. back to Lou's point. I mean, you you know, this person if they do go to the you know down the renovation route, they're gonna have to set a budget, and that budget has to also include what their target sale price is because they have to see that profit, right? Yeah, and obviously dealing with a realtor who understands what that market value might be after the renovation right. is completed is very important to note. Um, so yeah, you have to be careful. I mean, I, I just did a, a same thing. Lower Stony Creek, we held um, offers. We had seventy-two showings on a, again an opportunity where 
There was nothing done to it. It was a um, it was a raised bungalow, mm-hmm. and it went for eighty two thousand dollars over asking, wow. based on the fact that there was so much interest in a home in that area bungalow um, with a separate entrance and an oversized lot. So again, it just depends. We right now are looking for bungalows to list. So if you have one out there, please give us a call. Um, and we can definitely do a, a free home evaluation on, on your bungalow. 905-575-7700 or go online to robgolfie.com. That's Rob, dot com. Part two to Adriana's question is, uh, if so, so should we continue to renovate our home or try to sell it as an investment property? If so, how do we market that way? So if she renovates as opposed to just selling it, is there different uh, uh, paths to go down marketing-wise? Or is it just, you know, it's still a bungalow. It's still going to get what it's going to get. It's still a bungalow. You're still going to get, you're still going to get the traffic just because it is a bungalow. But yeah, we are going to market it differently based on, you know, what, what is done to the property. So if it's something that's turnkey, then yeah, you're, you're probably going to get the older folks who want something done. They don't have to do anything. They're going to come in. Just move in. Just move in and it's, it's ready to go. And there, there are young people out there that are like that as well. Um, but if, yeah, if you, if you stop renovating it and you just leave it as is and we sell it as is, then we're going to market it as is, Mm -hmm. right? And then the whole goal is going to be to bring, as much foot traffic to the front door as we can because the more people we get through the door, the more likely it is we're going to get the offers. Yeah, so. this might be a hard question to answer, but uh, what route should she go down? Renovate or just list as is? What, what's the bigger buyer pool right now? People who just want to move in turnkey or they want to play I would, around with I would it? say the bigger buyer pool right now would, would, would probably be to, to leave it as is, to okay. stop renovating and, 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 and just you know let let the market market give you what it what it's worth and right now i think as is there's a shortage of as is properties with potential to renovate so i th- i think you know without seeing it i have to obviously yeah, yeah. take a look yeah. at the area look at the stats look at the comparables but um i think in terms of just looking at it broadly probably leaving it as is would probably right. be the best bet Lou, you're yeah, on the same? No, i'm i'm on the same page right? yeah. adriana just leave it as is uh, and uh, and we'll market it as is, and I think you're going to find you're going to get the most money for in that in that particular option. Yeah, Adriana, call the golfy team. 905-575-7700. Okay, the impacts of marijuana legalization on Canada's housing market. So a couple of days ago, it was the one-year anniversary of uh, recreational marijuana being legalized in Canada. And Canada's largest cannabis producers are being credited with micro-booms in some local economies like Smiths Falls, Ontario. There's a new canopy growth uh, producer, cannabis producer there. It is uh, the world's largest and it employs 1,300 people in that market, it's bringing in an estimated $11 billion in economic uh, oomph, I guess, to that area. So it's expected that similar growth related to marijuana legalization will impact other regions as well. Just down the highway in Niagara, there's you know uh, facilities that are going up to produce Brantford cannabis. Has a few. Brantford, Simcoe. yeah. Yep. So how do you see this playing out in terms of uh, impacting real estate? Is it going to be a big boost? Is it going to be a little bit of deflation? Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you create jobs. It's always a great thing, uh, Rick. I mean, we, we definitely like um, new manufacturing that goes up in our economy, in our local economy. However, uh, when you want to look at, you know, purchasing your next home, do you really necessarily want to, you know, set up uh, next to or close to a marijuana uh, grow uh, manufacturer? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that Those are the questions that, you know, people are asking. And, you know, even some of the local retail stores that are obviously now popping up yes. and will be popping up in the next few months, um, those also create a little bit of a contentious issue when searching for a new home, 
we want to be able to tell our buyers that you know this home is kind of uh, free of of the proximity to one of those retail right. stores. Have so there's two in Hamilton right now. There's one uh, at the Barton Center on Barton and one in Dundas. Have any clients in the Golfie team or any of your clients mentioned this or say, hey, I don't want to be anywhere near these stores? Is it a topic of discussion at all? As of right now, for me, I, I haven't heard anyone, you know, um, have any problem with any of the retail stores. I would imagine that the biggest concern would be, you know, owning a house next to where these big manufacturing the big plants, right. yeah, where, where where they're manufacturing it. That might be a bit of an issue. But then again, those are also in kind of commercially zoned areas. So it's not that big of an, an issue. Um, in terms of like the retail stores, no, I, I haven't heard anyone, you know, make any complaints. Most people who go there, you know, they're not they're not lingering out front or anything. They are you know, coming in and out, you know, and then do it like how they would with any other shop. Right. So a couple more questions on uh, the impact uh, legal marijuana has on Canada's real estate market. When we return here on the Hamilton real estate show on 900 CHML. Welcome back. You're listening to the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin in studio with Lou Tallarico and Jesse Mello, sales representatives with Remax's Cartman Realty, the Gulfie team. You can call them anytime at 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. RobGolfie.com is the website. Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. At Rob Golfie on Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to like the Rob Golfie Facebook page and download the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast be like adriana as well email us a question to questions at robgolfie.com that email address again questions at robgolfie.com still to come we'll talk about justin bieber using instagram to try to sell his home in beverly hills it doesn't mention the price tag i don't think i'll have to review the documents but uh, i'm sure it's pretty pricey being in beverly hills we'll talk about um uh, the new home that you're thinking of buying might not be as perfect as you think and we'll also talk about negotiable items in a home sale Final thoughts on the legalization of marijuana. So uh, legal weed or recreational weed became legal on uh, October 17th, uh, which was just a couple of days ago, the one-year anniversary of. And we're talking about uh, what impact that it has had on um, real estate, either local or nationally. I know certain areas, including Smith's Falls, Ontario, which we mentioned in our previous segment, has really seen a huge boom in terms of um, house prices. I think they've gone up 10.5% year over year, and uh, home sales have... Uh, shot up 27% in the last year. So that's that's a big spike. Yeah, for sure. That'd be nice. Uh, but you wanted to make another point regarding... Uh, yeah, Rick. So with regards to the um, the whole legalization, as you know, you're also uh, able to grow um, four, six four plants, plants, four in, plants home, yes. in your own home. And so, you know, if you're keeping to that degree of, of uh, quantity, you're okay to a degree. But, you know, people are concerned even with that. So if you kind of show a home and you see that the basement has these plants down there with some potential, you know, um, you know, smells and odors that are, mm-hmm. are happening. Do you really want to have your purchaser buy this home? And if those purchasers are out there looking at you and saying, 
do I really want to buy this home, even though it's legal to have these plants here? Right. So this is a kind of the thing that we kind of have to be concerned about. We do have uh, the cannabis clauses that we put in for our buyers to protect them to a degree so there's not full-bledged grow-ups going on in there. Mm-hmm. But even the legal amount is sometimes a little concerning for our buyers. Right. There's, I'm, I'm assuming there's a certain segment to the population that would be okay with it, and there's a certain segment that would be, no way, I'm not, uh, I'm not going. A small segment right now, that's okay? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's relatively small just because it's, it's not as prevalent. Right. But 20 years down the road might be different, right? The people that are growing that maybe not be selling right now, so we don't see it as much. Right. But you're right. In a few years, as more and more people are going to be doing this, it may become more of a concern. Yeah. But maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, marijuana grow ops still, I mean, we have them from time to time. They're, they're uncovered. Uh, that is obviously has to be in you know the clause in terms of this used to be a marijuana grow up. That still exists, right? 100%. So is that different than you know this homeowner has four pot plants? Right now, we don't have a clause for the four pot plants. Okay. So if it's there, then uh, obviously the, the buyer is going to have – it has to be made aware of it though, right? Have, they have to make it be aware of it just because, you know, when you grow plants in a house, regardless if it's legal or not, there's you, you might be tampering with electrical. You might right. also have a mold and mildew problem from, you know, watering and whatnot. So sure. um, things like that need to be disclosed by the seller if they were growing, you know, plants. And we do have a clause to make, to, to make them disclose that fact so right. they can't hide that. But, uh, yeah, nothing – there's no real clause around the new – legalization rules. Interesting. Well, that might change in a few years. Who knows? Uh, Let's talk about international students and the the influence that they have on real estate. So international students represent a powerful economic influence in Canada, according to data from the Canadian Bureau for International Education, and uh, not the least of which is seen in the real estate sector. So in 2017, which as we know was a pretty crazy year uh, here in Hamilton for real estate, uh, the latest numbers available, there were just over 494,000 international students in Canada, a 119% increase compared to 2010, and a 20% increase from just a year earlier. U.S. News and World Report ranked Canada number one in the world for uh, foreign students coming uh, to our country, followed by the U.K., Germany, Australia, and the United States. The top three reasons why international students choose Canada over many other countries are quality of secondary education, uh, Canada's reputation as a tolerant and non-discriminatory society, and its reputation as a safe country. So it's estimated that foreign students spend $8 billion a year in Canada, including tuition costs and housing costs and other living expenses. So we have Columbia College just down the street from the radio station here, McMaster, Mohawk, some international students go to those schools. How big of an impact are we seeing in Hamilton from the foreign student? Is it massive? Is it minuscule? Yeah, so from what what I understand, I mean, they have um, a lot of, obviously, uh, resources that their families back home have when they send their kids here. And so not that they're unlimited, but it it almost appears that way when, you know, I know that, you know, I've I've seen a a person rent a place on Lock Street, pay the whole um, 12 months uh, rent Mm -hmm. all in one shot, pay a a middleman to kind of give them all the, um, you know, all the uh, amenities that they need. Uh, so they're looked after by their families back home. And that's more of the temporary rental program that they look for. Mm-hmm. Now, I've also heard down the road, if they want to graduate and they obviously end up staying here, then it's like, okay, now they got to buy a home for their child. Right. Um, and so that we see as well as an opportunity for us to take advantage of a lucrative um, you know, uh, resource base. Yeah. So that, that impact isn't, isn't necessarily immediate in terms of real estate, but it might be uh, down the road. 
if they choose to continue yep. their studies or mm-hmm. or or uh, find a job in this area. That's right. Yeah, if they choose to stay here, then you know a lot of these people who are coming here, we have a great like our, our colleges and universities in this area, and especially you know, and we don't even mention it, but our hospitals, yeah. our hospitals yeah. in the area like the residencies that, that, that the students actually do here, they end up getting jobs with those hospitals. Those are high-skilled, high-paying jobs. And that has a, the, obviously a really big impact on the real estate market, mm-hmm. right? Because those are buyers now who have the budget to, to purchase, you know, the homes that we are, you know, currently building. So right. in the future, definitely, we're going to see some growth from the influx of people coming here to do their residencies. And, you know, Mac uh, seems to be in expansion mode. Uh, Mohawk has been in that expansion mode, too. So they're going to get even more students. It'll be interesting to see how that uh, kind of snowballs uh, in the years to come. Uh, Let's talk about some scary issues that can kill your new home joy. So that new home you're thinking of buying might not be as perfect as you think. Uh, Buying a home is full of challenges, and the one thing that might be the most frustrating is finding out that there's something wrong after you've already closed. I'm sure you guys have been in this situation or have heard some stories. So here's eight things to look for before signing on the dotted line, and you guys can react to some of these things. So number one, it smells moist. So we're just talking about marijuana. There might be a moist smell to it, but there might be a leaking problem as well. And this, you know, if you're a home buyer and you just purchased a home, that's probably the, one of the last things you want to encounter. And this is one of the number one issues we probably encounter as, as realtors in the in the city, especially in the lower city with the older homes mm-hmm. or, you know, on the mountain with, with the older homes, over 30, 50, 80 year homes, there's always going to be moisture. And so to a degree. And so what we want to be careful of is when we're going to go in and help our buyers buy one of these homes and, you know, if you detect that there's moisture, you want to make sure that, you know, you're getting a home inspection um, that, you know, someone professionally can go in there just to ensure that, yeah, a little bit of moisture is what usually they, there's a tolerance for that. Right. But as long as it's not a big leak or something else going on, especially if the moisture comes from the from the roof into the attic where there could be, you know, other issues with mold and whatnot. So there's a lot going on with, with moisture and, and it's not just something that, you know, you should take lightly. Mm-hmm. If a home inspector can't find an issue, yeah, it might smell kind Kind of moist, but you know there's there's no water anywhere. You know the, the foundation looks fine, and all these uh, uh, red flags are not popping up. Um, you know what, what's the recourse that the homeowner has or the home buyer has? Yeah, again, if, if it's not disclosed, right? No, no. Again, if you're not doing a home inspection, and then your buyer beware. It's yeah. as is, and there's going to be things that you deal with. I mean, like anything else, th- there's a fix for anything. Right. I mean, if there's happens to be a leak somewhere at the end of the day and on the foundation that's creating a little bit of moisture in your house. There's a way to fix that, right? Mm-hmm. You got to waterproof your house. Yep. You, there's a process you can do, and those contractors will, you know, lined up to help you with that. Um, but you just need to be aware of that if that's not in your budget. So you know, knowing that up front, and, and again, sometimes when you have these homes that are sold as is, there's usually competition, which means you can't do a home inspection. So again, adds more kind of a something to be aware of. Right. I, I have a good nose, and sometimes I, you know, I like to recommend my buyers if I smell something, it's like I, I'm like a dog. I could, I could smell a little bit of moisture or, or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. I say, hey, listen, there's potential moisture down here. Give them the option to get the real, uh, get the inspection done, right. and then determine if there's anything serious behind the walls. Yeah, knowledge is certainly power in this case. Uh, there's a telltale pet odor. How many homes have you walked into and it's, oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot, a lot. That might be the second one. So but the homeowners don't realize this, right? Because, they I mean, they're, they're yeah. used to it. Yeah, well, most people get used to their own sense of maybe yeah. the cat owners buying a, 
a, a house from another cat owner. So, <laughs> they might be so, okay. so they might be a little bit more desensitized to this odor. While, right. while somebody who you know maybe has a problem with with the, the smell of cats, if they walk in, they immediately start holding their chest or they're <laughs> coughing or wh- whatever. It depends on the severity, right? So, um, it, it, pet odors. I mean, it, it's all it's all per, it's all it's all personal, right? right? It's all preference. We become desensitized to our own our own smells in our house, so yeah. it's 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 tough. You don't want to, you know, we don't want to make that decision for our buyers. <laughs> we'll let them be the no, judge uh, of that. It's been a deterrent for sure that the home really? pet odor smell. I, I've heard people walk into the front door and literally walk out. Really, they won't go through the house when they mm. smell that odor when they come in the house. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, and you pointed to yourself when Jesse mentioned cats. So, are you allergic to cats? No, no, no. Just I just the, the whole kind of litter kind of thing. It's, yeah. it's it's again sensitive to my nose, and so I could detect it right away. And yeah. you know, again, it's something that you know I, I'm I'm all for pets, but you know, again, that order needs to be somehow figured out how to kind of keep it under control. And and when you're ready to put your house for sale, there's a process maybe of a of a month or two beforehand to kind of get rid of that eliminate order that. and eliminate yeah. that order. Yeah. I've had people who've had urine in their carpets and whatnot oh, wow. um, and not deal with that and then they put their house for sale it's like what are you thinking yeah that's, so yeah that's the extreme we've had you know clients that have then literally taken the sign down for a week taken down their carpet redone the subfloor uh, put in some new laminate or whatever hmm. and then you know what their house will be fine and they'll sell but they need to deal with it right yeah. so you need to address those issues and for sure um, it, it'll be fine. So it's not necessarily a deal killer, but it could be. I mean, it, it you mentioned be, yeah. the one one yeah. case where they just walked right out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the neighborhood is iffy. Again, these are scary issues that can kill your new home joy. So you've moved in, and the neighborhood is kind of sketchy. I mean, you should, you should probably have researched this before moving in, I would think, right? Yeah, you, you'd hope so. So, like, when I would take my buyers out, we're, we're definitely going to go take a look at more than just one house. So I always say to them, you know, let's go take a look at, a, like, four or five. Mm-hmm. Let's go look in a couple different neighborhoods, um, and you can get a feel for the areas. And I and I also tell them, before we do the showings, if you have the time, do a drive-by of the area. Go 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 take a drive-by of the house, take a look at it, and tell me what you think. Um, because you want to know, you want to know the, who's, who's sitting out, who's going to be your neighbor, who's right. going to be, you know, sitting out front. Um, it's, 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 uh, you know, and that, that's something that you should, you, we try to educate our buyers on from early on, right before the search even starts, it, start, start driving around, start looking. Mm-hmm. Especially now as the uh, sun has going away uh, sooner yeah. and we're booking showings into the uh, early evenings and it's already dark, uh, because obviously a lot of, uh, buyers are not available during the day. And we go show homes where it's already dark and the sun is set, and now you're kind of looking at, you know, the house, and you're focusing on that, but you don't see necessarily the surroundings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's important, like Jesse referred, go back and see the house during the day somehow or on the weekend. Make sure you get the the visual of of daylight surroundings yeah. to make sure you're comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, another part to that is neighbors' homes are unkempt, so the house you're looking at or or, or buying or have have purchased is fine, but the next door neighbor, maybe someone across the street, not so much. So that's something to consider as well. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, the neighbor's home, uh, so with the neighbor's homes, you, you can't force people to, to, you know, upkeep them to your standards, unfortunately. <laughs> right. But, uh, there are, that would be fun to they, see. There are bylaws that we've used in the past. So things like people who leave their grass unkept and it's a certain height right. or, um, if they have a lot of garbage in the front lawn or anything like that, if it, if it affects, if it's, you know, not um, within the bylaw, you could actually call the city and have them do something about it, right? You, yeah. you don't want to be a, you know, a bad neighbor, but, you know, if it gets to the point where it kind of hurts your home value, yeah. then... Hoarder neighbors are not a good thing. Yeah. Hoarder neighbors? Yeah, these are the kind of guys who kind of keep all their junk in their backyard, yeah. sometimes even or their front, front yard, yard, front yard yeah. and it's a big deterrent if you're trying to sell your your client's home yeah. next to them. Noise would be kind of in that same area if the, if the, if the neighbor's noisy, noisy yeah. at odd times. Yeah. Yeah. Or 
back to the uh, <laughs> cannabis. Back to the marijuana, yeah. <laughs> in the backyard, having a fun night. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, those are the things that you need to be aware of. Yeah. Uh, it took too long to get there. So this is all about the commute. And that's something that goes back to location, location, location. If, if it's far away from your, uh, from your workplace, that's obviously something to consider. That's right. Yeah. So, um, I, I always have my people when, before buying the house is, is to calculate their time that it takes to get to and from work and then times that by five, cause most of us work five days a week mm-hmm. and ask yourself, you know, what's, what's more important to you. You know, if you move into this neighborhood, you're going to lose, let's say, um, you know, five hours of your week as opposed to if you moved into this neighborhood. So you, you really, that, that's something that, you, you know, you, maybe you should drive from that neighborhood to your work again right. to practice. Just it, to get see, that feel, see, yeah. see if you can feel, you know, to feel it out. Um, because it is a major one because I think everyone could use an extra five, maybe even 10 hours. Mm-hmm. It depends on the commute, but everyone could use that time back because that's time with your family, with your friends, or, or, you know, just your own personal time. Yeah. Uh, it's dirty. So obviously, <laughs> if you're moving into a house and uh, it's it's not kept up, uh, you know, if a home is in bad shape, uh, on the surface, it might have some other lingering issues as well, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, people who don't keep their house necessarily that clean, it's it's obviously a little bit of a concern because they mm-hmm. worry about some of the structural things or behind the wall things. Yeah, that what else is wrong? wrong what right? else is wrong yeah. with it? Um, but typically, I mean, you know, if we're having a home that's like that, it's kind of one of these ones that maybe an as is, or, you know, one of these ones that are going to sell, uh, just because of what it is. It's a bungalow. It's this, it's that. So there's other factors that'll be considered and it may not be as relevant, but for sure we encourage all of our regular clients to keep their house or, or to have a good clean of their house before we put it for sale. Mm-hmm. Got one minute left in this segment. Uh, we're talking about scary issues that can kill your new home joy. We've got two more. Let's just get to one more. Uh, it's dark in the house. So people really want a bright house, right, when they, when they move in or when they're living there. They don't want to live in a dungeon. I would assume. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Natural light is a big uh, opportunity huge, right? for sure for our clients. It shows a house very well. Um, we always encourage our clients who are selling their homes with us to keep all the blinds open uh, as much as possible because a lot of people like their you know privacy and whatnot and right. have a tendency to close all their blinds. But we encourage 100% to keep the blinds open as much as possible during showings and or during the duration of the listing. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about one more scary issue that can kill your new home joy when we return here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. You are listening to the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin in studio with Lou Tallarico and Jesse Mello, sales representatives with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. RobGolfie.com is the website. It's the all-new RobGolfie.com. Check it out. Call them anytime at 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. They're all over social media. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And subscribe to the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you have a question or a topic, 
topic idea for a future program, email us. That email address is questions at robgolfie.com, questions at robgolfie.com. Just wrapping up the scary issues that can kill your new home joy. It smells moist. There's a telltale pet odor. The neighborhood is iffy. Neighbors' homes are unkempt. Uh, it took you a long time to get there. It's dirty. It's dark in the house. And lastly, it's too perfect. How many times have someone said, I like it, but it's too perfect? Yeah, it happens once in a while. And, you know, it alludes to the fact that, you know, uh, a renovated home, uh, staged to almost too perfect, mm-hmm. can come across as, is this thing for real? Like, is this as good as it appears? Right. I mean, we have an amazing stager in our office, uh, Kareen, that helps set us up for success a lot of times, brings the home to life and brings a lot of, again, that visualization of what a homeowner could look forward to in their new home. So, you know, you have to be careful on both sides as a, as a, a client that's we're representing as a home, a seller and a buyer that says, hey, is this house going to work for me based on my needs? So mm-hmm. you want to make sure you're attentive to those needs and making sure that the space works for them and not to get disillusioned or, or uh, uh, you know, put off by the uh, the way that's set up in a, in a staged home. Is the thought process behind the it's too perfect kind of feel, you know, there's got to be something wrong with it. They're trying to hide something by making it too perfect. Is that what, you know, people are trying to tell themselves? I haven't I haven't seen that personally. I, you know, I, I wouldn't say that. Usually people fall in love with the things in the house. And right. that's why I just talk to the buyers and I, and I tell them, guys, you're not buying this house because the couch is beautiful and, <laughs> and it's got a really nice shiny mirror above it. So, right. you, you know, you, you want to look at the space. You want to look at the, you know, the quality of the build and, and, you know, how old is the roof? How old is the furnace? How old are the windows, the majors? Because those are the main things that are going to affect the house. And then mm-hmm. the way you design it, that's up to you. So I, I wouldn't say because it's perfect, people are trying to hide anything. It's more so that, um, you know, they want to show it in its best light. And they know that buyers out there will... We'll pay extra if right. they see something that looks really, really nice, right? But is is uh, do home buyers or people looking for homes are they cognizant of the fact that this house is staged compared to this one that is not? I mean, is is it that evident? Yeah, it's, it's with, with all the TV shows and the home shows out right there out there now. People understand that the house is staged, um, potentially vacant, mm-hmm. and so they understand what it means for the most part. Okay. Uh, you mentioned, um, you know, couches and mirrors. So let's talk about uh, negotiable items. So these are six things that are surprisingly negotiable when buying a house. Uh, obviously, it's not just the price that you can negotiate, but buyers and sellers can uh, negotiate plenty of other details about the transaction to uh, sweeten the deal. Closing costs. I'm not sure if this is surprising, but this is something that is negotiable. Personally, I haven't seen closing costs really, eh? actually be so part it's pretty of the negotiation. Uh, per, th- that's personally, but I've I've heard of it, and, and it does happen. Um, the expectation is that you know each party is going to pay their you know their closing costs right. based off of what's what's expected. I know for me personally, if I was representing a seller and a buyer was trying to make my seller you know, <laughs> pay the cost, uh, it, wouldn't, no it, it wouldn't be happening because right. there's there's real no there's no real justification for it. So. Um, it, it, it can happen. It can happen. But uh, yeah, it, I would say it's it's un- one of the unlikely ones that okay. you're going to get passed through today. Yeah, uh, This would probably fall in the same boat then. Transaction-related taxes. Yeah, I would say ta- I would put taxes under the same category. Again, there's... It, it's Land per- transfer taxes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're they're typically paid uh, by the respective parties. And, and that's not typically a negotiation yeah. in this market that we're in. Right. Yeah. Okay, let's get into the interesting things. Fixtures and appliances. So everything under the sun is negotiable? 
Uh, I would say so. Yeah. So, I mean, if there's something that you really like in the house, buyers, I, I would say, you know, you know, to go for it. I mean, there's certain things that have sentimental value to people. They're mm-hmm. not going to want to get rid of, but, um, uh, you know, you never know. I, I, it, I always say it doesn't hurt to ask. You, you could ask for it because their, their intention might be to just throw it out. Right. You know, so if, if you, if you know they're moving into a new home they're going to have a new space a new start they might be willing to get rid of some stuff so if you really like something you know ask about it it, it definitely doesn't hurt um in terms of appliances i recently got into like a battle with <laughs> another <laughs> another agent about um about a stove and really? they want to take the stove with them and my people love the stove they really they really wanted it um so I, what what should have happened is that and i, I tell my sellers if you want to keep your stove Take it out, put it in your garage, put a tarp over it so no one can see it, right. and then replace it with a media, like a, an average, a comparable one, but maybe not as nice. And that way you could avoid the, these problems because it is kind of a deterrent. So if I go into a house with a buyer, say say they're you know a young person, it's their first home, they're mm-hmm. already tight on the down payment. Well, now they got to buy this house, and you now you're asking them that they also have to have the cost of buying a stove or a right. fridge or anything like that. Th- those are things that you know are going to put people off, and I wouldn't say it's worth it to risk pushing out, uh, right. you know, or, or, you know, neglecting a buyer. Can you not just put the sign on the stove saying not for sale, not included, <laughs> well, d- they, don't even, you know? They do the, they do that, Rick, <laughs> but uh, that doesn't mean that just you're doesn't not going to ask okay. for it. Yeah. I mean, major appliances is is kind of an unwritten thing or they're going to be included, right? But by exception, you can exclude a stove or a fridge, but by, by and large, we want those included. Right. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, uh, more things that uh, are surprisingly negotiable in a home sale. You're listening to the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Last round here on the Hamilton Real Estate Show on 900 CHML. Rick Sanprin in studio with Lou Tallarico and Jesse Mello, sales representatives with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. Head online to robgolfie.com. Call them anytime at 905-575-7700 at Rob Golfie on Twitter and Instagram. And be sure to like the Rob Golfie Facebook page. If you have a question for the Golfie team, email questions at robgolfie.com. That's questions at robgolfie.com. And subscribe to the Hamilton Real Estate Show podcast so you never miss an episode. We've t- been talking about uh, surprising negotiable uh, items when buying a house. Fixtures and appliances uh, were on that. Uh, and you mentioned if you have a nice stove or fridge or, uh, I don't know, a, a lawnmower, uh, a, a snowblower, tarp it up, hide it away. You don't want the seller or the uh, uh, the buyers to, to see it. That's right. It's yeah. a good rule of thumb. Yeah. What's the most popular item? I joked about bar stools, which we've mentioned yeah. on previous shows, as being one of the more popular items people want. For sure, bar stools are, are a major one. Yeah. The, sto- the stoves, the stove is for sure. I really? think people get like a sentimental attachment. Like you know, we 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 make our Thanksgiving turkeys in that stove. Like <laughs> you know, that's great. But you know, it's 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 a tough one. It's a tough one. It's kind of un, like Lou said. It's an unwritten rule that you you know it comes with the major appliances for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Things like televisions, though, I'll be honest with you, get us into a little bit of really eh? uh, different opinions because a fixture is something that's affixed to the house yeah so as you know a lot of people are mounting brackets with televisions on them so now is this a fixture that's included in the house mm. or are you taking it as uh, an exclusion from that fixture right. list so you so you make sure you're very clear with when you're selling that person's home whether the the brackets included the TVs included or both so make sure you just identify all the televisions in the house 
whether they're uh, on a bracket or not, right. that are included or excluded, because it becomes a little bit contentious near closing. So with the bracket thing, because I know the bracket is screwed into the wall, so it is now a chattel? A fixture. A fixture. A fixture yeah. The TV could be a chattel, because it's removable, correct? It, but it's not. So if you have a okay. TV that's on a on a on an entertainment on a stand. unit that's just on a stand, okay. that's a chattel. Okay. Because it's not attached to anything. Right. But a TV that's attached to a bracket that's attached to the it's wall now a fixture. is a fixture. <laughs> but it's, it's, to be honest with you, it just, it, there's a little bit of a gray there, but yeah. it's just it gets us into trouble. So just exclude them from the listing or include them and you're covered. Makes sense. Uh, furniture would be kind of like what we're just talking about here. So, yeah, same thing. Yep. Uh, move date and leaseback deals. I'm not familiar with the leaseback deal. That might be an American term, but the moving date obviously is negotiable. Yeah, of course. And it, and the move date is actually um, an area where you can negotiate, you know, quite extensively, even with the purchase price, because mm-hmm. the longer you hold on to a house, the more money you pay naturally for utilities, right. um, any mortgage or whatever, it's an extra mortgage payment. So, so the move date can save people money if they move it closer to them. Um, it also, for buyers, they might want to take possession of a home earlier than when they sell their home. So mm-hmm. they can start um, moving their furniture into that house. And th- right. that that's something that if a buyer asks a seller to, to do, to move it a little bit sooner, um, you know, that's that's a negotiating point, again, on price because now they've got to pay for that convenience, right? So all these things are definitely negotiable. Move date especially is it's definitely a big one because it could save people money. Mm-hmm. Last one on this list, and this might be a sticky wicket too, repairs. So something needs to be repaired. You know, who's going to take care of that? Yeah, so typically if there's any um, repairs or... Items identified that need kind of correction, that's done through that escrow period where you're conditional mm-hmm. and you have an inspection done and you figure out what really is now happening that might need to be addressed before you want to move in. Right. And that's when you have an amendment to the contract that says, yeah, I'll still purchase the house at this price if you do these three things and repair these three items mm-hmm. or two items or whatever it is. Or sometimes they even ask for a little bit of a discount and, and they'll do it themselves. Right. So there's two different options that you have. Okay, last topic today. Justin Bieber uh, has 120 million followers on Instagram. I'm not sure how many of those are actually real people. However, um, he recently posted, I want. I think I want to sell my home in Beverly Hills. Who wants it? And uh, I'll sell it with all the furniture, make an offer. And, uh, well, we have some pictures of this uh, 6,100-square-foot property in Beverly Hills. Uh, it boasts five bedrooms, seven bathrooms, and, uh, well, it's got some unique decor, I'll say. <laughs> uh, impact of social media on buying and selling homes. Is it huge? Can it get even bigger? It's, yeah, definitely uh, definitely a big one, social media, um, especially if you have a following. Like, there's no doubt that 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 Justin could definitely pull in a buyer here for, yes. for this house just <laughs> yeah, based off that. his following and the, and the fact that people want to own Justin Bieber's house. Yeah. You know, that's a pretty cool thing to say if someone came over. So, um, <laughs> for a mere eight and a half million, it's all yours. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. not bad. Yeah. So, so social media definitely is a, is a, is an area of, of our business that's definitely growing and there's a lot of potential and we do spend a lot of, um, you know, we're starting to get into it more and personally I'm getting into it more as well. Um, it's a good way to communicate with potential buyers and not only that, it's also an area for us to communicate with other realtors. My, my biggest following is actually real estate agents. So, um, 
they get to keep track of my inventory and I, and I invite them to, to, to follow me because, you know, if I have a listing, my job is to sell that listing for my seller and they might have a buyer. So, so I'm look, definitely looking to cooperate with them. Right. Yeah, at the end of the day, you just want more eyeballs on the property, right? Yeah. It's just another avenue to market the property. Yeah. Can exactly. you imagine the commission on this thing, Ruth? That'd be huge. It'd be huge. <laughs> It'd be selling massive. Sunset would be a great opportunity yeah. for us all. So no one from <laughs> the We're selling Hamilton. We're selling Hamilton that's, here. That's true yeah, too. we're selling Hamilton. Uh, guys, we got to go. Lou, Jesse, thanks for coming in. I enjoyed uh, having you on the program and uh, I I'm sure that Rob and, and Phil would be proud of uh, what you did today. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to the Hamilton Real Estate Show. We are back next Saturday at 9 on 900 CHML.